and welcome to this podcast. I'm Laura Horton. And I'm Michael Bentley. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for joining us, everybody. Hanging out with us this time, this podcast, is a wonderful lady called Esther, who I've had the privilege of knowing for many years. Uh, we estimate around 15 years. And Esther's hanging out with us today. And this is our last special edition bonus episode of the Horton Hangout podcast, not only of this year, um, but also of the decade. So isn't that fabulous? Uh, no pressure for you here, Esther, whatsoever. Um, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I'm really looking forward to introducing you to Esther. What do you need to know about her? Well, Esther is a uh, hygienist. Esther owns two dental practices. She's a mum of three children. She's also got another business in reflexology. How she has the time to look so fabulous, I just don't know. And um, Esther set up a new practice uh, a few years ago. We're going to find all about that today. It was originally set up with uh, direct access in mind and has grown into a uh, full general practice. And then Esther has recently, just this year, uh, May 2019, uh, purchased a specialist practice as well. So that's, again, very interesting. And now there's been some change in the way that the practices now work together and refer, and refer from one to the other. So that's going to be really interesting to know about as well. Um, and of course, many other things. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce Esther. Esther, how are you? Very well, thank you. Good, good stuff. So we're going to get straight into it because I know Michael and I have been so excited to interview you and um, coordinating the three of our diaries has taken some time, hasn't it? <laughs> yes, it has, yeah. <laughs> but one of the things that um, we are so passionate about is hygiene, is perio. Um, all of us absolutely love it. And that's why, you know, so keen to get you on here to talk about that today um, and your vision and your passion and how, how it's all come together, really. Now, I think last time that uh, prior to me knowing that you'd set up a practice, um, we were, we'd met up a few times and you were wanting to move into consultancy for hygiene training. And I remember you came to a practice with me and um, then you were going into a couple of practices and that seemed to be the route you were going down. And then you told me that you'd bought a practice and I was like, wow, amazing. Yep. Yeah. The, the consultancy in hygiene was was really good. Um, I did it for probably about a year and um, just coincidental with a practice I was working in as a hygienist. Um, I just decided uh, that with the direct access change that this was the time that I'd like to actually go in and open a direct access practice locally in the town that I, that, that I'm from. Um, and that, that seemed to all happen rather smoothly. Uh, a, a building came available and the next minute, um, Visage was born. Wow. So it was a squat practice that you've set up. Yes, it was. Yeah. And, yeah. and the practice, um, that you've set up, I mean, how, were you already wanting, I think this is a key question for me, were you already wanting to set up a practice regardless of the direct access legislation or not? Where were you? I think in the back of my mind, even, even when we um, left uh, Birmingham, when we'd finished our dental hygiene, I think that was always something that I thought that would be a, a good thing to do. And I just carried on... Um, as I was working in private practice and then I think that I think the actual direct access thing probably just spurred me along a little bit more to go well actually now it's even easier so yeah. why not yeah fabulous 
So it all seemed to slot into place quite easily for you then. Living close to home must have been really important. So working close to home must have been really important with the children as well. Yes. Well, that was a big thing to me as well, because I still wanted to be around for them as much as possible. So having a short journey time to get to work was was a must. Absolutely. And tell us about the name of the practice then and why the name was so important to you, because it links directly into how you want patients to feel about their teeth and their smile. Yeah, absolutely. French for face. And I thought if I ever brought in any facial aesthetics and went down that line, it kind of took that under the umbrella as well. And it's I just like the it's it's, it's a happy it's a happy title. Um, and I wanted to bring the spa element in as well. Um, which at the beginning people didn't really understand what a dental spa was and it's taken me quite a few years to get that over that it that it isn't any beauty in there it is teeth um, but in a spa environment um, so yeah that was a, that was the trickiest thing I've done but um, over the years people uh, get it now. <laughs> That's wonderful, Esther. And I think, you know, what you've done is absolutely fantastic. And as Laura's already said, you know, we're so passionate about perio. I remember taking my first steps. My first nursing experience was with a hygienist. It's always been a special part in my heart. But what I want to talk to you about is really, you know, the direct access. And I've, I suppose I've got two questions here. One is, what is it like as a hygienist to do direct access? What type of patients does that um, give you? What type of patients are attracted to direct access? And how do you treat them holistically so they get the care that they need? Um, a lot of patients who have uh, an NHS dentist come for direct access because they often find it difficult to have the availability of hygienist services uh, where they come from. So that that's a big um, a big patient base, I suppose, um, that are looking for good private um, hygienist services. And I think offering direct access doesn't bother me at all because I've set everything up in place with the right um, consent forms and all these things that you need about direct access that we are looking at them as a from a hygienist point of view not a dental point of view and I really do stress that when I meet them that that is the service I'm offering and if I do see anything that's out of the remit that we can offer then I make sure they go back to where their dentist is or if they haven't got one then you know send them in the right direction so I think as long as you've got all those things in place and they understand that they need to to read those things then there isn't anything yeah. to worry about okay so for hygienists that might be listening that might be fearful of direct access treatment Esther yes can you tell us about a typical appointment that comes in you know um you know I'm new to your practice what happens how long do I get with you what what's the sort of format that you go through with a patient Okay, so we, we ask them to arrive early. We have a, an iPad system, so we get a full medical history from them. We get um, the consent forms for direct access and uh, various things like that. Um, then, dependent on the service they've chosen with me, depends on the time. Um, our platinum service is the 45-minute uh, treatment which is basically your scale your polish and an air polish as well and then all your, obviously all your, all your hygiene instruction 
Um, then we have the gold service that's uh, 30 minutes, which is the same, but without the air polish. Mm -hmm. And then we have a mini treatment, which is our silver, but that's really just an airflow and a polish. But I do not really uh, advise that for the first time with meeting with me because it isn't just it isn't enough time and I can't give everything that they need. So we, we, we speak to people on the phone or via email and just say, you really ought to start with a platinum or a gold. And then if a silver something in the future that is advised, your hygienist will, will let you know um, which one. So yeah, they, they, they come for either of those appointments and then we direct it from there. And that's really interesting what you said there, Esther, because you know um, I know that you're really into teamwork and you've obviously had to develop a team to talk very differently to patients because they're not talking about dentists, they're talking about hygienists. So what, what changes have you made to communication with patients from a team point of view? What confidence have you managed to give them? all the we have regular meetings our whole it's all about teamwork for me so all my all every member of staff knows how to do every job so everybody knows exactly what's involved in a platinum what's in a gold so they could speak to anybody and they would know the patients would know what they're going to get and um, and they can ask anyone any questions about anything Okay, um, so yeah, team. And would you say that lower market, you know, the um, the silver one, is that quite good for marketing? You know, it gets people to inquire because it's a lower, perhaps, price point. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. it does. We yeah look, get a lot of people um, just literally coming for that, but some people it's suitable mm -hmm. for not, you know, especially as a in between appointment as well. We often have yeah. people doing a platinum, then a gold, and a, then a silver, and it goes round in a rotation. So it. Okay. They can manage that. So you must have done a lot of training with the team on their verbal skills then, Esther, which I know you've got fabulous verbal skills, to enable them to be able to talk to these patients on the phone um, and to be able to explain and educate to the patient that essentially silver's a, a cosmetic um, yeah. appointment, isn't it? However, you might have different needs and to try and get them to convert the patient to, to something that's going to be more appropriate. You must have put a lot of time and energy into that that verbal skill and that communication that the team have on the phone? Absolutely. It's, it's, the, it's the biggest thing I spend time on. And, and you know what, even with team members, well, we've all been, it's the same team for, for three years. Um, we still go over it all because it's good to refresh, um, even for myself. So, yeah, we're still doing it now. Oh, that's, and it's really good to know that you're refreshing as well because we form bad habits really quickly, don't yeah, we? Yeah, absolutely. You know, you're saying something like, I don't, why have I even started saying that? I don't know. <laughs> um, and so then the practice has moved into becoming a general practice. Yes. So tell us about that. What were the timeframes? How did that happen? It happened quickly. Um, right. It, it was it was led by my patients basically they were saying we just love the concept we love the spa feeling the the time you have with us but we want it all under one roof like the supermarkets we want yeah. to come here and have dentistry have everything and I um, had I've known my, my dentist Louisa for over 15 years and she was doing my um, whitening prescriptions and I just said to her what do you fancy taking over a day here doing dentistry and she was like absolutely and and it grew from there really and wow. so we've still got a, a, a big base of direct access only patients but now we've also got um general and hygiene together yeah. um building up to um full four four days a week now with over crossing two dentists 
And I'm assuming then, Esther, that's also really allowed the direct access to expand even more so because you have got a dentist there. So things like local anaesthetic, yes. you know, those types of, you know, dealing with the more advanced treatments, your um, patient needs rather, you're able to refer back to the dentist to get an assessment. And Absolutely. Yeah, I can imagine that worked really well for you. So how many days of dentistry with the dentist do you have now? We have four, four days dentistry. Wow. Um, yeah, which is great. After three years, and how many days of um, hygiene do you have? Uh, as a hygienist there, five days a week. Um, wow. And we do um, one Saturday a month. We can't really get that any busier, but that's just, um, that's just research I've done on the town that I, that, that I live in and I work in. It's just people are too busy doing family stuff. <laughs> yeah, well, do you know, it's really interesting you just said that, Esther, because so many practices want to open Saturdays and we find that so many practices we're actually advising them to close and do a late night instead because the Saturdays aren't profitable because people, Absolutely. Are busy, people don't turn up and it can be quite a disaster. Whereas for other practices, it's so successful. So it's about understanding where you are, isn't it? Yeah. That research, which you've, you've, you've quite clearly done very well. So I just want to ask one more question. Is the practice as a brand in Harpenden, is it still known more for direct access? Or would you say as a brand now, it's known for dentistry, like you say, general dentistry under Ron Roof? Where do you feel the brand is now? I think... In the last year, we, we are now as a general dental practice. Absolutely. Okay. I think, yeah, it's getting known as that. And yeah. Wow. It's exciting. And how many surgeries mm. have you got? Two. Two. Yeah. Brilliant. Two. Good. And was that important when you were setting up? Did you think, I want to have, you know, because sometimes you can, people can take on a smaller practice. Did you always think, actually, I want to have room for two surgeries? Well, the, the way the building was, it, it had the two rooms. So I, I thought, well, I'll do the main one is the hygiene room and then I'll use the slightly smaller one for whitening. And then I switched it over once <laughs> we decided to do dentistry and, and moved the x-ray machine and all the lead pipe, you know, and I did it all. So okay. yeah, it, it was good to, that I had that in the first place. Wow. Fabulous. I think what's exciting for me, Esther, is that, you know, you're a business owner and a lot of, again, um, inspiring hygienists out there, therapists might be thinking, you know, should I buy a practice? Should I be part of a practice? Um, how have you found being an owner as a hygienist? Because I think that's something that's very exciting. Um, and how has the response been to, you know, the dentist, now you've got two practices, what's the response been by being a hygienist owner instead? <laughs> Honestly, a, li a little bit shocked for some, for some reactions have been, but then slightly yeah. sort of, oh, <laughs> that's uh, unusual. And now to have two, that's great. But yeah, it, a little bit on the shock side, but I absolutely love being an owner and I love the fact that I can bring the prevention side into something which is different. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I like, I love it. And what challenges do you think you've faced as an owner or what, what, what do you think you've been able to do differently as, a, a, as an owner, as a hygienist? What do you think you've brought differently what skills have you brought probably probably being prevention led and and that being the crux of the practice is all about looking after and we don't want to do treatment on people it's it's there at the beginning i i i work with loads of children i see children from three or four years upwards and run a smile club mm -hmm. because the important thing to me is if we start right at the bottom then those children should grow up and they shouldn't have 
so many dental issues and they should all know how to brush their teeth properly and lots good for them and I talk about sugar in schools and and that sort of thing so I, I and the fact that I go out to schools and and things like that and I and I am the owner it, it goes it, you know people respect that and and, it, and they you know they get a lot of information that perhaps they didn't get before yeah because you're very passionate about it and I think that's you know that passion you know is oozing through you i just want to ask you um and, and you can decide not to answer the question maybe but um for hygienists or therapists thinking about owning a practice you know or setting themselves up something that's unique that fulfills their passion that they want to, to drive did you find any blockages financially about that you know when you were you know, maybe um, asking banks for money and things like that, because you're not a dentist in inverted brackets. Did you have any challenges there? Or were people very much like, oh, well, you're going to have, you're going to own a dental practice. So actually that's, that's fair game. It was, they were like that because, because at the end of the day, a lot of people, that they, dentistry is always going to be needed and required and that sort of thing. So it's not, it's something that banks, if you need to loan and things like that, they prefer to go with, dentistry field and things like that so that it wasn't my title that particularly or my qualification I mean I had to write a very very in-depth business plan so they obviously saw the vision and yeah. all that sort of thing so I think as, as long as you've got a strong vision and you can you can you know plan your business plan correctly then it, it shouldn't matter what you are clinically the only thing that's difficult is trying to um, open accounts with dental companies because I'm not um, a dentist and therefore you need one in order to order such products and things that's the oh, only that's thing interesting so how did you yes. get around that then is that where you're is that so, when yeah that's where I had to use one of my dentists GDCs and numbers and then that means they can go and order products from companies that you know that require that so but yes if you were wow. completely direct access as a hygienist but then you wouldn't necessarily need those other products would you say so and do you think those do you think there's been some more changes in the industry that makes that a little bit more uh, makes it easier now or do you feel that those uh barriers are still there those barriers are still there yeah mm. so that's something that you know people really need to think about don't they when they're actually you know starting this this process with you and how are the cqc with you as well have you found them to be um very supportive or again have they have they tried to look for things that they would probably not look for in a dental practice or that it's been like actually you know we're really happy with what you're doing they've been really happy that they, they were very, it was a very positive experience actually and um quite a grilling but um everything i I'd followed and I'd put everything in place. Um, so if the protocols and everything are there, then you know the, that that's what they want to see. So mm. they know the, it was a positive experience. Yeah, and um, my, my my best friend, she's got a direct access um, practice, and she had a, a nightmare initially with the CQC because they were saying, "Oh no, you don't need to be with us," and she was like, "Yes, I do." Um, <laughs> Oh. <laughs> um, yeah so that was her initial battle yes I should wow. be yes I do and they were going no you don't and she's like yes I do um <laughs> oh no okay and, no uh, I <laughs> yeah so she's just had her second inspection and she said how positive it is you know and you know obviously she's got everything in the right place and it is hmm. tough but it they're, they're very positive the reaction yeah direct access practices is is very positive towards them I was just wondering as well I said I don't I hope you don't mind this might be quite a personal question but I think it'd be a just a good thing uh, if you are able to answer it um 
from that business plan point of view, for a direct access practice, in regards to profit margins, it's a lot easier to work out, I'm imagining, you know, to put all these forecasts together for the banks. Did you find that yourself with it when you were focusing solely on direct access? Yes, yes, you can forecast a little bit easier. Mm. Um, I'd say there was a few more um, direct debits and monthly things that I wasn't expecting, but um, if anyone ever was thinking about it, I'd be more than happy to say, well, this is the reality of it. These are the things that you need to think about that you might not have thought about before oh, you go ahead and lovely. do that. Well, you're going to be inundated now. That's lovely. Oh. And can I also ask you about price points? So when it was yes. purely direct access, did you have a lower price point for the appointments? And have you now found with bringing dentistry into the practice, obviously the expenses are higher, the profits lower, that you've then had to change those prices? I've never changed my hygienist prices okay. um, because I feel that they are they are right for the area that I live in. Um, okay. And if there are other places that are higher and I think that I want to encourage people looking after themselves. So if I make it affordable, then they're going to come and they're going to come as, as regular as, as recommended rather than mm. going, well, I can't come for another year. And then we battle and we start again. So I've <laughs> left those prices as they are, but the dental pr dentistry prices are, are as they should be. And for the area that I'm in, otherwise, yes, it wouldn't be viable to, um <laughs> to to run the practice yeah <laughs> definitely so you've got the practice in harpenter and that's all going really well you've got the dentist on board you're able then to fully utilize the skill sets of yourselves and the other hygienists because yeah. you can treatment plan you can treat perio and then in may this year you've purchased a practice um not too far away so i mean how how many miles away would you say that is just for people that aren't familiar with Harpenter? literally literally 10 minutes in a car so not far yeah. at all so yes, not far at all. Um, really good train line between the two, as I understand as well. Yes. And um, so you've got this specialist practice. You've got the specialist practice and you're really developing everyone in that practice. You've brought treatment coordination in and you're referring the perio treatment direct now to that practice as well. Is that right? That's right. Yes. So it's it's a specialist in periodontology. So that is what it has been currently. Um, so all of our referrals go there um and i've added other specialities as well now so with uh endodontics implantologists you know specialist prosthodontists all all that the team is is growing now um the perio it's, it's a very unique um how it's been run currently is is they use their hygienists a lot to do a lot of the root planing work and the periodontist currently has been doing a lot of the surgery and the, the implants and all that stuff himself. And right. I'm keeping that on because this, the, the skill set of those hygienists is brilliant and they really enjoy the work mm. than bringing in a new periodontist when he retires in the future to then do the, their own route planning. I'm going to keep yeah. it with that model because it yeah. really works. Well, it's a fantastic model. And to me, it's what I always talk about. You know, everyone in that practice is utilising their skill sets accordingly, aren't they? Yeah. You know, because there are many hygienists that we come into contact with who are stuck in a stuck in a rut, as I like to explain it, of just doing SMP, SMP all day. Yeah, they're not treatment planning. They're not treating perio. Then, you know, if they see perio, perhaps they're referring out rather than treatment planning and discussing it with the patients. Mm, absolutely. Um, 
So periodontists doing the surgery is, is fantastic. So how did this practice purchase come about, Esther? Tell us about that. Oh, I know, I know um, the, 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 the specialist. I've known him for over 20 years and I knew that um, at some point he would, was looking to retire. So we had a meeting last summer and I said, you know, what do you think? And he was like, brilliant. So um, he's with me for the next few years or so. Um, and I am recruiting at the moment for a, a periodontist to come in and eventually take over um, his, his list, as it were, and work with me with the same model. Um, have you had to build up this practice? Obviously, you've had to do a lot of marketing for the squat practice. What about this practice? Have you had to do a lot of, you know, networking, building up referral base, or was it already sitting there? It was already sitting there because he he's been there for fifteen years, so there's a big referral base already. Um, but I have brought in a general dentist and, as I say, other specialists. So for the last few months, I've been um, rebranding, redecorating, getting the right team and working on verbal skills and lots of team meetings. And now we're starting to do marketing. And so the next thing after Christmas is to really get out there in, in that town and let people know that there is um, other specialities and general dentistry available and mm -hmm. general hygiene as well. So that's my next big campaign basically is to, but I, I can use the social media that I've already got with Harpenden yeah. Um, obviously so that that is helpful it's not quite as daunting as from the squat practice no um, but I love what you just said there um just to pick out <clears throat> what you just said there's really interesting which is basically that you're not throwing money at marketing until the team have been trained the team are right for you and the interior of the practice is going to match the brand's message and the brand yeah. that people see online and that is really really interesting and clever yeah and impressive it just it just wouldn't it wouldn't have felt right to me if they were not getting the the same experience that they get in Harpenden um so I just said well we'll just carry on as we as they've always done there we we've had decorators in at night and at the weekend so it didn't disturb the day-to-day -day routine and the training around where we can with gaps and lunch breaks and things everyone's been a marvelous but yes we are ready now um to, to move forward. Yeah, really smart. I've got a different question because I think um, there'll be maybe a lot of hygienists or dentists that will definitely be listening as well. And I just want to ask you, Esther, what advice have you got for hygienists that might be struggling with the prescriptions that they're getting and don't feel that they've got the confidence to actually say, the prescription I've got is not fit for the patient. They have the remit to do something about it but yet they feel maybe frightened or um don't have the the right assurance to actually go to the dentist and say i don't agree i want to do something different what advice have you got with all your years of experience of actually working with so many different patients well it's 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 receptive isn't it from that dentist i, I would i mean i would always gather the the protocols and things that we have to go by and if they're not matching what the prescription says you've always got that leak that back up there to say well th this is what we should be doing when when we see bpes or whatever it is they're going by of this you know this is what we should be seeing um you've got that as already and then and then sort of think well in that case it would be better if we did x y or z 
Um, other than that, it, it, it is difficult working with people that um, aren't necessarily listening, but you do have that backup of what we should be doing. Yeah, and I think the hygienists now are in a, in a really good position when that happens because you've got <clears throat> all the new BSP guidelines, which are Absolutely. just fantastic. Yes. And so clear yes. uh, in regards to the pathway the patient should be on. So, you know, it's about knowing that inside out, really, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And then having the confidence to say it, that prescription there does not match what, what we've been recommended to do. And Esther, from um, your point of view, so you qualified as a hygienist and I know you've done heaps of other courses and, you know, you've always kept yourself really up to date. How important has it been for you as a hygienist to be jumping on to, you know, updates and additional um, upskilling and qualifications as soon as something's been available? Oh, very important. Yeah, I, I, I thrive on it. <laughs> <laughs> what would you say to a hygienist who perhaps is thinking, oh, gosh, you know, um, it, because I mean, a lot of hygienists who start to feel a bit, they go, oh, you know, it's all about therapists now. And you know, da, da, da. I'm like, no, it's not. You, it's you're not. a dental hygienist. You should be so proud of what you can do in practice. And some of them, you know, just then start to lose a little bit of confidence. Where would, where should someone start? You know, if they've got their hygiene qualification, and they haven't perhaps upskilled in other areas, where, where would you suggest they start? definitely go go on a course not an online course go to somewhere and 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 learn that local anesthetic or whatever it is you haven't got because it does boost you and if you get in an environment with other hygienists it, it's it's uplifting whereas if you always try and keep up your cpd via the online method you're just isolated and alone so i actually think a mixture of of, of learning things through different methods and definitely go or, i mean we go as a group to every year to do some of our cpd points because it makes the day more exciting to learn together and then do our online as well yeah okay. yeah that's that's a good point that you've said and mm -hmm. so have you got any recommendations where, of any groups that hygiene should be a part of to 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 get that support are there any particular um forums or places that you go do you know what this is a really friendly energized group where actually people are very positive about um what hygienists can achieve the, the facebook the dental hygienist facebook page i'm, I'm a, I, I do watch and some interesting comes there and there's a lot of people on there who passively come on and they say i'm a bit demotivated uh, you know i've been doing this for 25 years da, da, da. and people are brilliant with giving them a bit of boost and that sort of thing. So that, that's quite, quite jolly. I mean, I, I like the like pro conference type of um, CPD and they're always really friendly and, but, and you could go along as on your own and then meet people when you get there. It doesn't always have to be in a, in your practice if they're not, you know, if nobody oh. wants to go, yeah, you could go on your own. Yeah. I've got another question, which I know that dentists uh, ask us a lot about, and that's hygienists sitting on a fence in the middle of an appointment when a patient asks them a direct question about, you know, um, my dentist has prescribed me some whitening treatment. And I'm not sure about it. Do you think I should whiten my teeth? Um, I'm going to have my teeth straightened. I'm going to maybe have some crowns or, or, or something along those lines. Mm. What advice would you give to hygienists to support the dentist in the recommendations that they have made and actually not sitting on the fence so much? Um, I would probably ask the patient what they were looking for 
um, and see how where the conversation had, had come from. Um, if they'd sort of said something that made the dentist say, well, what about straightening? What about that sort of thing? Um, I think that's a great answer. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> then I would. I just I just see because it they just might be looking for just a second clarification. And actually, is that that is what they want to do? Yeah, that's the word. <laughs> Rather yeah, than saying, mm, yeah, and then I would would go for it, and and I would always give the advantages and the disadvantages as well. But I'd really find out what you know. Is it something they're really looking for? Yeah. I think that's good to turn it back on them. Yeah. Or are you looking to get out of the treatment then? So yeah. they can say, well, A, B, C and X, Y, Z. And you can say, well, that's why this has been recommended to you. Yeah. Because that is the right course for you. Um, you know, yeah, I think that's good to always turn it back on the patient. It's very treatment coordination like, isn't it? Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> I want to ask you about work-life balance because I know people listen to probably thinking, wow, how on earth does she do this? So... <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm thinking as well wow amazing so how old are your children and how how you know what's your support network how are you doing all of this um so my eldest is 11 then I have a nine-year-old and then I have a seven-year-old so um it's all local and because um I'm only clinically working now a one day a week I can still be there to collect them and take them to school most days and that's important to me um, I work most evenings when they've gone to bed and I work all the hours there are when they're at school but it does mean I can see them and watch their clubs and whatever they do in after school time um, I'm efficient in time management I suppose um, yeah it, everything is structured I don't really do much relaxing but that's okay <laughs> You know, when you've got a new business, you have to put everything into it. Yeah. It's really interesting. So now you're only doing one day a week clinically. Was that always yeah. the vision to, you know, it sounds like you really enjoy running the businesses. So as much as you are passionate about your role, and I know you love it, was it always important to be able to reduce your clinical time to allow things to expand? Or what, what were your thoughts? Um, yeah, I, 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 I knew I'd have to do, um, I knew I'd have to do, less I, I mean I started off doing four four days I think when when Visage first opened and then Catherine joined me so I knew it would never be as many days as that as I as it wouldn't have um I don't know it just would have been I wouldn't have been able to do both jobs well mm. um I would I would, I've only recently just gone down to the one day um because trying to get St Albans marketing in place and all that sort of thing so but I will, I will either pick one more day up in the future, but I will never not do it. Absolutely okay. not. Yeah. Okay. That's good. And Nessa, what, um, what team members have you got around you then? What, what have you invested in, in terms of team members? And I know that um, with what we've discussed before you came um, online today, we talked about, you know, that as a team, you really research properly and make sure that the right people come into the team and then you you pay well and mm. you're kind and you develop lots of systems for them so how does that actually work in reality who have you got what type positions yeah what team members have you recruited so stacy um came with me from another practice we've been working together for 10 years and um she is a qualified dental nurse and very experienced but she now runs um the Harpenden reception 
um, and she is the backbone of everything. And um, then I've got um, another lady that uh, I actually met through school. She's a school mum friend and she was looking for a change in career. So um, I trained her with um, a, a sort of a group in St Albans to become a dental nurse about two years ago. And that's worked out really, really well. So um, that's, that's the Harpenden team. And as I say, the hygienists um, there, they work between actually from Harpenden and St Albans now. And I actually went to university with them in um, Birmingham. So uh, everyone around me is very, very supportive and um, loves it as much as I do. And then the team in St Albans, um, lucky for me, some of them have stayed with me and there are um, some great ladies again on, on reception and they, I've been teaching two of them the treatment coordination role as well, which they're really enjoying and bringing in some more specialist nurses as well. I've uh, just recruited to work with the specialists. So, yeah. It's when you take over key members as well, Esther, sometimes that, that can be very difficult, can't it? Because they are yes. entrenched in habits that they've had for a long time. Have, have, you, have you met any challenges there? That, that has been challenging change because there was big changes overnight not even just decor sort of frightens some people as well you know and changes like that and yeah. and and everything is very system based and protocols but it, it means that everybody knows what they're supposed to be doing and and the patient gets the same experience whoever they see and meet and I think over the last few months everybody is enjoying the changes and can see the benefits from it Mm. that's because it's my ears that is that you're yeah. systemized because that says that you've got a good hr head on your shoulders as well that you're making things systemized that people understand what's expected and the result of that means that every patient gets a fantastic experience yeah absolutely because that at the end of the day is what is why we're here is to make our patients have a great experience um and yeah that's building that team to do that so Essie, you've given so many top tips in this interview. I think it's been absolutely fantastic. I just want to expand on one thing because it's just a word that's just stuck out to me. So you said, um, you know, in regards to changing your business, expand, expanding your business. And this is what, you know, what you've said to us is that, it, as Michael just said, it's all about the team. Yeah. Uh, so that's come across. That's really clear. Spend time researching. That's come across. That's really clear. You said you pay well. You are about systems and bringing a vision together. And one other word that's really stuck out to me is be kind. Can you talk about kindness and that value that you have and how you bring that into your brand? Because I think it's a really key element and something quite a unique word to use. I just really respect every every person that works in the two, in, in Harpen and St Albans. And I think I... I I just want people to know that they can come and we can talk about anything, anytime. Um, we're all open and we will help each other. And if somebody needs to do something for their family, they can, and someone else will, will, you know, help and we'll just get on with it. And, and it swings and roundabouts. And, and so nobody, nobody's ever complained if they go five minutes over or the next day I'll say, well, we've finished half an hour early. Let's all go home. Let's get back to our families. And, but it's all give and take and, and I think it, it, the result of that is everything, everyone just gets on well and we have fun. 
Mm, I love it. Absolutely love it. Kindness and fun. Yeah. Two things that are really sometimes quite hard to achieve at work, aren't they? <clears throat> we yeah. all like to have fun days. We spend a lot of time together. But I just love this kindness element. Yeah. That word's just stuck out to me. And I would say, Esther, you know, it's definitely a word that I would use to describe you. Oh. <laughs> um, no, honestly, it is. You know, I've known you for many years and it's definitely, you know, a word that I'd use. And it's one of my favourite words. You know, I, I love to describe people as, oh, they're so kind. You know, because actually kindness is very special, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's quite unique. So it sounds to me that that's part, a huge part of your leadership style as well, is your kindness, your empathy, your openness. Yeah. Oh, you sound like a dream to work for. <laughs> <laughs> you really do. Uh, wow. Okay. So, Esther, before we finish today, is there any other tips you'd like to give to anybody? I mean, I know we've discussed loads of things, but are there any other tips you'd like to give to people that are either looking at starting a practice, have a practice, want to expand, uh, want to buy a practice even? Oh, just go for it. It's good fun. <laughs> Absolutely. Don't look back and on that note then here's one squat or existing practice Ooh, <laughs> for me squat but that's very much my personality because then you you set up from scratch and you do exactly you know you 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 build you buy everything the systems they're all set from and you and you're recruiting you know from scratch as well so yeah. for me that is that has been that was probably slightly easier if I'm honest yeah okay fantastic lovely well esther i can't thank you enough for hanging out with us today i've absolutely loved talking to you i feel like i've been quite serious in this podcast because i'm <laughs> like I've got, I've, got to, I've got to ask this question this is fantastic this is brilliant that's brilliant and you've given up so much information i think the key things really are to take away that you know as a hygienist upskill yourself as a hygienist therapist upskill yourself the moment there's an opportunity that comes out esther's grabbed it she's gone on that course she's taken that so you know it's then put you in this position to buy this practice research your area if you're going to buy a practice it's great for you you know this area you live there so that's given you such an opportunity which also sounds like it's given you a good opportunity with recruitment as well so i think that's something really to think about especially if you are um, you've got a young family and you've got to get that work-life balance right as well that that really stands out to me that the area is absolutely key yeah. Um, and invest in your brand. I think that was really something I picked out earlier. Invest in your brand, your team, regular training really stands out as well. And then invest perhaps in marketing and spending money on that. Uh, verbal skills, without a doubt, you know, you've really trained your team on these unique areas and you're seeing opportunities within existing team members to keep expanding their roles as well, which is just absolutely lovely. And, you know, you've got to you've got to give and take you get to take the children to school or pick them up but then in the evenings you are working but that's that's the sacrifice that you make mm. having these businesses that quite clearly you're you're very good at it makes you feel great mm -hmm, it does oh I, I can't thank you enough thank you esther for hanging out with us today thank you bye Thank you for listening to this podcast. Please subscribe so you can be notified of our next episode.